This next little bit is not actually an interview. Instead, um, I got the opportunity to listen to Dad preach at Eagles Bluff Chapel in Tyler, Texas. So we're going to listen to him as he brings the Word of God. Thank you, Diane, as always. And thank you, Linda, very, very much. Your presence and what you've shared and how you've shared it is a testimony from our Heavenly Father to every one of us, encouraging us to remember that He wants us to be aware of His presence every morning as you are. And He wants us to listen to Him every morning as you do. And He wants us to share with others every day what we hear him say every morning. Your words are a great encouragement to God's people, words that he has given you. It's obvious by reading your prayer and carefully meditating on it that it comes from God. So much of it is his word. And when you share it, that encourages all of us in what we're to be about every single day of our lives. For you, you are living out the truth of Isaiah chapter 50, verse 4 and verse 5. They're favorite verses of mine, but I see it coming alive in your life. It says, the Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak a word in season to him that is weary. He wakens me morning by morning. He wakens mine ear to hear as one being taught. He's opened my ears. I've not been rebellious. I've not turned back. That's your testimony to us, Linda. And we are very, very grateful. Thank you. As always, it's so good to be here. I've been here quite a few times, not only Wednesday morning, but other times. And there's never been one time when my heart was anything but blessed beyond measure just to come here, to enter the gate, drive into here. My golf background causes me to look around and see something that's very beautiful to so many hearts. And then, starting in December of 2020, to come to this place. That's when we had the dedication of this building to come into this room. What do you see? Something beautiful. Outside, it's beautiful. The building. Inside, the, the building is beautiful. Beautiful. Outside, we have the prayer garden and the 
fish cross. How do we say that, Joe? Cross fish. Bilingual. He went to the University of Texas. It's a beautiful place to be. But more than what do you see, who do you see? Brothers and sisters in Christ. People who, when you're around one another, you sense, I'm getting a taste of heaven. 1 Thessalonians 5.11, encourage one another and build each other up, even as also you are doing. Every time I've ever been here, that's what happens. Romans 1.12 in the New American Standard Bible says, May I be encouraged together with you while among you, each of us by the other's faith, both your faith and mine. God wants us to see that he has called us to be mutually encouraging one of the other. And that's what God is bringing into being on these grounds, in this building, outside of this building, in the hearts and through the hearts of his people. But shift your focus. Don't look so much with your physical eyes as you look for a moment and many moments with the eyes of your heart. Who is here? Where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst of them. He's omniscient, he's omnipotent, but he's also omnipresent. There is nowhere ever that you or I will ever be that he is not there waiting on us while we're there, coming behind us. He is Jehovah Shammah. The, the Lord is there. He's with us. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. And he wants to open the eyes of our hearts so that we become, as we learn to walk by faith and not by sight, he wants us increasingly to become aware of his abiding presence. He's teaching us how much we need him. Jesus summed it up when he said, I'm the vine. You are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. And then Paul wrote the words, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We need him. We need him very, very much. And he's here. He's there. He's everywhere. And he wants us to be aware that he's with us. He wants us to be so aware that he's with us that we learn to listen to him while we listen to one another. 
so that when we're listening to one another, we're hearing not only what one another has to say, but we're listening to him to hear what he has to say so that we know how he wants to speak to the ones with whom we're speaking. And we learn to speak his words rather than just our words. Our words often get us in trouble. Our words, well, I wish I hadn't said that. <laughs> but anytime we ever listen to him, he always gives us something that builds and encourages one another up. Appropriate. Words of edification, words of encouragement, words of understanding, words of wisdom, words that are filled with his love and grace and mercy, words that need to be heard and need to be spoken. He's here. Now, forgive me, especially Diane. But all of you, I'm not a soloist, but there's a purpose in what I'm about to do. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong, they are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. I want you to know tonight something of how much those words mean to me. brought a little book that Bruce got to look at. It tells about the origin of Jesus Loves Me and other hymns, but that's one of them that it gives a history of. It was written by a woman named Anna B. Warner. The, word, or the words and then the music by William B. Bradbury. Anna Warner and her sister Susan were first from New York City where they had a townhouse. And then a calamity financially happened to that to everywhere and especially to their lawyer father. And they had to move out of New York City onto Constitution Island in a Revolutionary War era, old home. Constitution Island and that home were directly across the Hudson River from the United States Military Academy at West Point. While they were there, these sisters tried to help their family by writing stories. And some of them they wrote individually and some of them they wrote together and one of them became a Christian bestseller in which 
a man who was a Sunday school teacher took a dying little boy into his arms and sang to that little boy the words, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Those sisters made themselves available to the cadets of the United States Military Academy for 40 years. The cadets would get in boats and cross the Hudson River and go to their home on the other side. And those sisters would teach them the Bible for 40 years. Today, Anna B. Warner and her sister Susan, the writer of Jesus Loves Me, along with her sister, are buried, the only civilians buried in the cemetery of the United States Military Academy at West Point. And the United States Military Academy still maintains their house as a museum across the Hudson. Isn't that interesting to hear about the origins of where this song that means so much to so many started? In the heart of a woman. Things like this matter very, 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 very much. Um, there are so many songs of faith that I love. And Jesus Loves Me has always been at the top of the list. Not surprisingly, I wouldn't think, but it's the first song, thanks to my mother, that I ever learned to sing when I was a toddler. I sang it in Sunday school, sang it at home, sang it over and over and over again. <laughs> it's the one I feel comfortable singing. It's the song that I've sung more times by far than any other song. It's the song I've sung with prayers in my heart for my children and for my grandchildren and other children whom I've been blessed to hold in my arms while they were trying to go to sleep. I don't know if this will blow your mind or not, but there have been times trying to get those children to go to sleep when I have sung the first verse and chorus of Jesus Loves Me over 100 times <laughs> at a time. That's the truth. Now, when you do that for four children and 14 grandchildren and other children that as a pastor and friend you get to adopt, it adds up. I remember once a child being born in the hospital and, and the first day and the mother lets me hold a child and I sing those words to that child. And I'm singing those words to that child and my children and my grandchildren and others with the prayer in my heart that I'm grateful to say that 
for my older family, children, and grandchildren, it's come to pass that God has answered that prayer. My favorite Bible verse is 3 John verse 4. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in the truth. I love that. I keep praying that while I sing Jesus loves me to these young ones. I want my children to know how much from the very beginning all the way through, even when one's getting close to 40 back there, I want them to know how much God and his word mean to me in my heart. Jeremiah chapter 15 verse 16 says, Thy words were found, and I did eat them. And thy word was unto me the joy and the rejoicing of my heart, for I am called by thy name, O Lord God of hosts. That means I'm your child. I recognize I'm your child, and I rejoice to hear the words of my father. And I want my children and my grandchildren to know as they see and hear those words overflow from my heart and my lips, that my great joy and rejoicing is found in, the, in God and in his words. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4, 5, 6, and 7 say, Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God is one. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul and with all thy strength. These words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shall talk of them. When thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up, all day long, every day, wherever you are and what you're about, God wants you taking the time to listen like Linda does each morning and hear God speak to you his words and then let those words overflow to those who mean the most to you every day that you're alive, beginning with your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren and on and on and on. That's God's will for his children. It's not the end of my physical life yet. I don't think it could be before I finish speaking. Nobody knows. There's still time for other songs to be written. And there could be one written by someone that's very, very appropriate. Along with Jesus Loves Me. To be sung as the last songs at my funeral. But I know right now that Jesus loves me is at the top of my list. <laughs> I'm a simple man. The baker's son, the hardest working man I ever watched work, and others too in Mount Pleasant, Texas, getting up at 2.45 every six days a week being at his, cooking his own breakfast, being at his bakery before four o'clock, six days a week, working till four o'clock in the afternoon, 
and mother worked that hard at home for all of us. I'm a simple man with a simple faith in a great God, the God and Father of my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who saved me from my sins and adopted me to be a part of his family forever. God has one only begotten son. Everybody else in God's family is adopted. If we want to learn about the love of God, one way or another, there are different ways it can happen, but God wants to teach us about his adoptive love. He wants to expand our vision, our understanding of his love so that that love can overflow through us to reach out and include so many people that they might know him too. It starts in the hearts of those who already know him. Now, Jane and I have had a, a wonderful late spring and summer of celebration. Really good. We've been looking forward to it for a long time, and it happened. Back May 20th through June 3rd, we got to make a trip from here to uh, first Amarillo, for the night where we had we served for five years at Trinity Baptist Church in Amarillo. Our third daughter, Joy, and our son, John. Oh, JC. Yeah, JC. I get this now. That's right. You're right again, Joy. Third daughter, J.C., son, John, were born in Amarillo. So it's special to us every time we get to go back to or through Amarillo. Then we went for the first time to see the college campus of our oldest granddaughter, Fort Lewis College in Durango, Oklahoma. Oh, Colorado. <laughs> now, you're getting a taste of what's been happening since 1972, every time I stand, amen. Durango, Colorado. And we spent the night with there and enjoyed our oldest granddaughter. Then we went, by God's grace, up to Ure, Colorado. Yeah. We have dear friends there, retired architect from Fort Worth area. He, jo he joined our church. He and his wife joined First Baptist Church Keller, my first pastorate, the very same Sunday that Jane and I joined, January 5th, 1975. And we've known them ever since that first Sunday I was a pastor. And they've been great encouragers of us over the years, and they... we. He, they had made journeys to Colorado many times in their lives. And then in 1998, he retired, and they built this house um, at 9,000 feet 
up the road south of out of Ure, second to last house going up that road. But the house is literally surrounded, literally surrounded by National Park. It just happened to be grandfathered in from the silver miners that this property was available. And they came upon it at the right time and they bought it, really two properties. And he built this home. And they've hosted us there a number of times over those years. It's the most beautiful place where I've ever sat on the back porch in the morning and listened to God. There's a little mountain creek that flows down 60 feet off the back porch. You're in the house, you think the air conditioner's on. No, it's not, it's just the creek. You hear it 24 hours a day. It helps you go to sleep at night. It's wonderful. You look up from that 9,000 feet and straight in front of you is 12,000 foot mountain. Just right there. You look to your right and there's a 14,000 foot mountain. It's God's creation. And God speaks. God's there. From there, after four days, one of which it snowed at the end of May, we went to uh, um, Berthoud, Colorado and uh, Longmont, where our oldest daughter lives, for the occasion of the high school graduation of our second-born grandchild, a son, a grandson, and uh, we got to celebrate with that family. He just started Baylor last week. We hope we get to see him more. From there, we came back. That was in May and June. July 18, July 21st, 75-year birthday. And then, as Ted said last Friday... The 26th was our 50th wedding anniversary. It was wonderful. We sat down there in chairs in First Baptist Church in Nacogdoches where it all began, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, August 26, 1972. And our son and his cousin set up lights and camera and sound. and He interviewed us a little bit about the first 50 years. It was wonderful. We've had a wonderful last few months. But in the midst of all that, there's always sadness and sorrow and suffering. Job said in Job 1.21, the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. No matter what's happening, the Lord gave and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Two Saturdays ago, I did the funeral in a cemetery to the west of Mount Pleasant for my last aunt. My daddy was one of five brothers and this was the last surviving member or aunt or uncle in my family. We're down to cousins now. Last Thursday, tragically, 
We lost a very dear friend. It hurts. But through it all, God's calling his people to be a people of faith and hope and love. 1 Corinthians 13, 13, now abides faith and hope and love, these three. And the greatest of these is love. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He's the God of hope who fills us with all joy and peace as we trust in him that we may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And God is love. There comes a day when faith becomes sight. When it's in Jesus Christ. There comes a day when hope in Jesus Christ becomes reality. But the love of God that we experience in our hearts right here and right now is the same love of God that we're going to experience for all of eternity. God is love. And he never, ever changes. His love is our taste of heaven right here and right now on this earth. This world is not our home. We're just passing through. So much in this world comes and goes. In the midst of it all, no matter what comes our way, the joys, the sorrows, our great, greatest reason to celebrate always remains the same. Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. It's the greatest truth that has ever been made known to man or ever could be made known to man. God reveals to Moses and to us who he is in Exodus 34, 6 and 7. The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. In Jeremiah 31.3 he says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I've drawn you with loving kindness. His love never changes. We may not feel it, but it never changes. He wants us to become aware of him in the midst of it all. He tests us that our faith might grow, that our hope might grow, and that we might understand the depths of his love. Yes, Jesus loves us. And therefore, we always have reason to rejoice. Psalm 118 Verse 24, this is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Every day when we get up in the morning, we can say that 
and the Holy Spirit will convict us that it's true. God made this day, and he gives me reason in this day to rejoice and be glad in it, beginning with the reason he loves me. Eternal life is ours, all because God showed his love to us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Here in his love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And this is the record that God has given unto us eternal life. And this life is in his son. He who has the Son has life. He who has not the Son of God has not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. It just doesn't get any better than that. Mm -mm. On the morning of uh, July the 18th this year, when I turned 75, when I sat alone with him, he whispered in my ear. He said, you're three-fourths of the way to your first 100. <laughs> but cheer up. It's only the first 100 of an infinite number of 100, so you can quit counting if you want to. <laughs> Literally. The still, small voice of God spoke those words into this old heart. I'm still here, and that means God hadn't finished with me yet. You're still here, and God hadn't finished with you either. What is this life all about? Psalm 90, verse 10 and verse 12. The days of our lives are threescore years and ten. And if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, yet is their strength labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. So teach us to number our days. That means make the most of our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. We're still here. He's not given up yet, and he won't. And he's trying to get us to learn that we can trust him. So much so that when others are around us, they might sense that we trust him. By our actions, and by our words. First Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, what? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own, for you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit that belong to God. In Jeremiah 29, God's people were in captivity. And yet God said to the people in captivity, I know the plans I have for you. 
plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give to you a hope and a future. And you shall come, you shall call to me and come and pray to me. And I will answer you. And you shall seek me and find me when you shall search for me with all your heart. Now, men on Wednesday morning have heard that there came that time in my life at age 22 when I'm driving down the fifth fairway in Mount Pleasant with the man that taught me to play golf. And I say to him, Dr. Kennedy, every morning when I wake up, the first thing I think about are the shots I want to hit today. And tonight when I go to bed, the last thing I think about are the shots I'm going to hit better tomorrow. And in the time that it set, took me to say those words out loud to the man that taught me to play golf, the Holy Spirit spoke to this heart and said, John, for you, this greatest game of all has become an idol. And I'm calling you to put it down and seek me with more zeal than you have ever given to seeking to play the game of golf. Hmm. That was very real. One thing led to another from there. But that's where it started. In a golf cart on the fifth fairway. That, that hole's not even there anymore in Mount Pleasant. They've done away with it, sadly. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. I will instruct you, he says, and teach you in the way that you should go. I'll guide you with my eye. That mama who was a homemaker, all she had to do was look at me. And I knew, oh, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> All she had to do was look at me, and I knew what she wanted me to do. God wants us to know him like that. I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. I will guide you with my eye. We can know God like that, and he wants us to. These words which I... Oh, this book of the law, Joshua 1, 8 and 9, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. You want the success you can do that might come apart, or the success he can give you that will stand the test of eternity? Second Peter 3.18, grow. This is the one thing you can get better at. I got to play nine holes with Byron Nelson once in Fort Worth. It was wonderful. He was 75 years old at the time. First, first hole, he hit a driver, par four, and then he hit another driver off the fairway, then he made a 15-foot birdie putt. At the end of those nine holes, that storied man, who's a great Christian, said to me, John, 
keep swinging. Keep going. There comes a time when you can't play that game as well as you once did. You're not supposed to. But the one thing you can keep doing, the further you go, is growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Unto him be glory, both now and forever. God knows what our lives are meant to be about. And he wants to open our eyes, the eyes of our hearts, that we too might see what he sees, all by faith. He says, look to me and be ye saved, all you ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. That's the verse that Charles Haddon Spurgeon heard one day in a little church building. And he believed, he looked, and he was saved. 2 Corinthians 4, 6. God who commanded the light to shine out of the darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Just as much of a miracle as it was when God said, let there be light, and there was light. Four day, the first day, when the fourth day, was when the sun, moon, and stars were created. But the very first day, when there's only darkness, he says, let there be light. And there was light. God who commanded that light to shine out of that darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. It's the greatest thing that ever happens to a human being. 1 Corinthians 4, 7 says, Who makes you different from another? What do you have that you did not receive? Now, if you received it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? Whatever it is about you, wherever you came from, your parents or your upbringing or your education or your opportunities or your knowledge or your skills or whatever else you want to talk about. Where did it come from? Who makes you different from another? What do you have that you did not receive? Now, if you received it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? God resists the proud. He gives grace to the humble. There's no other way to walk with him. Yes, Jesus loves us. And he wants us to wake up today, every day, to see him through eyes of faith and to join him in what he and our Father in heaven are about. John 5, 17 and 19, Jesus said, My Father is always at his work to this very day. And I too am working. The Son can do nothing of himself. But all things whatsoever he seeth the Father do, these things doeth the Son likewise. He wants us to see what he's about. And join him. How do we join in? The 
Ephesians 5, 14 through 21. Wake up, you who are sleeping, and rise from the dead. Sometimes God's people need a little wake-up call. God says to us, whispers in our heart, you're living like people that don't know me. There's no difference in your life and their lives. Wake up, you who are sleeping, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. See then that you walk, King James, circumspectly, very carefully, not as fools but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Yeah. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is, and be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. God doesn't want anything ever other than His Spirit to guide the lives of His children. What does it look like to be filled with His Spirit? The next three verses show us characteristics. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Thank you. Singing and making melody in your hearts unto the Lord. Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting yourselves one to the other in the fear of the Lord. You know, your body has one head and every other member of the body works together for what the mind is saying. Is that not right? I'm not, a bio, uh, I'm not an expert on that, but it makes sense. I know this, that we as the body of Christ have one head and the rest of us are members of that one body and we're all supposed to function together to honor the head that the world might know him. How do we do that? I think it starts right here. Matthew 22, verses 37 through 40, the words of Jesus. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. That's where it starts for us. How are you going to be satisfied enough to let it all flow out? Love. There was a, a man in his 80s when Jane and I got to listen to him speak at Glorietta, New Mexico. His name was Vance Havner. Some of you have probably heard that name. Grew up in North Carolina and country preacher, simple man, but he knew Jesus and he just kept preaching. <laughs> he didn't stop. And he spoke to us there in Psalm 73, 25, 26, and 28. He brought alive to my heart and showed me the necessity of this. Whom have I in heaven? But thee, who's going to satisfy you in heaven? Just God. 
Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon earth I desire besides thee. My flesh and my heart, they fail. But the Lord is the strength of my heart and my portion, that which satisfies me, and my portion forever. Only when I allow him to satisfy me can I be used of him to bless my wife, my children, and anybody and everybody else I ever touch. It all starts with him. Only one will do. Listen to these words. I'm getting close to the end. Well, it's coming apart. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 3, beginning with verse 14. For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more then all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong, they are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me, yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me, the Bible tells me so. If you can, don't run off. Just encourage one another on your way out. Thank you for coming. God bless you.